I was going to make an incest joke like 20 minutes ago and I make it it's way too late for that no it's make it anyway <laughs> so like we were talking about the you want to kiss me so bad it looks embarrassing thing right mm. i was going to say well it does run in the blood Welcome back to Merlin guys, a monthly podcast about BBC's Merlin where we talk about the show, the ships, the fandom and the characters. I'm Zancredible and I'm Miss Snowfox. And today we are back for you to talk about some ships which we haven't done in quite a while I think. I don't even remember what the last ship was that we talked about. Was it Morgana? Oh, might have been. Yeah. And when we did that it must have been a year ago feels like it's i mean with this year with 2020 being what it is it's probably been 5 years ago uh so anyway we have two guests for this who are uh Martha Sobbing Hours open on Tumblr and Twisted Shipper also from Tumblr and we're going to get into all of the Amor and Mergwen I'm, i must remember not to say Mergwen because it's it's been on the tip of my tongue all this time. Uh we're going to get into Amor and Merkwen in a little bit, but first we're going to have some talkbacks. Our first comment that we want to talk about or react to or at least read out is from Avalona and Avalona reacted to our race and racism episode. And they also left a bunch of footnotes in their comment which we will link in our post but you can also go directly to this episode and read the comments and find all the footnotes there and I'll just start reading and anyone interrupt me if you want to say something Thank you guys for talking about this important topic and on top of that making an entertaining episode Agree with what Anne was saying and wanted to leave my thoughts as a long-time Rolling fan and a POC I'll try to summarize Gwen and Elian I think Gwen is awesome for standing up to Arthur and is a nice foil to traditional fairy tale princesses. It's great to see the race blind casting with her, but unfortunately the showrunners' plan for this character involved a makeover which they apparently ditched. That's bad news for any female character, but it hurts especially when it's a POC as we see so few of them take center stage. I really didn't like the makeover. By the time we got to series 5, Gwen's sexier costuming is in your face. It could be seen as self-empowerment or confidence, but to me it doesn't really align with Gwen. She seems too straightforward to use her look to make a point. I mean, pretty much everyone except Merlin gets sexualized with time. I'm pretty sure Rox would disagree on that personally, but anyway. But they also get enough character moments, at least Arthur does. Gwen was often there to tick boxes. She should have been given actual things to grapple with, like the court not accepting her as queen. or her being mad at Arthur that he thought she cheated on him without an enchantment they robbed Gwen of proper angst which is outrageous in my opinion like i love angst why would you take anyone's character's angst away that's just mean you know who should have had a special bromance Arthur and Elian i mean they have the whole i'm dating your sister thing i agree with yeah <laughs> and i think that we spoke before how it, you know it's kind of you know good that gwen stands up for herself in theory it's just the execution of it wasn't the best because it just came across as whining <laughs> you know it's just kind of like i mean yeah all, all i think about is that scene from once a future queen where arthur's just like oh we had a nice dinner what are you complaining about you know it's like 
that's the vibe that I get from those early stages of their relationship. And that it's just not very cute. <laughs> like it's not very cute. It like they they already feel like tired rather than on the brink of, you know, something wonderful. <laughs> it's just yeah, I don't know. Not really my vibe. But uh yeah, I think that we've already said that we're not huge fans of Gwen's makeover. I mean, she she looks badass, don't get me wrong, although I still maintain that there's no way her hair could have grown that much in a year. Like it, no. <laughs> but like I just think yeah, they were trying to make her more into like, you know, the fairy tale queen, which is fine. And the stronger colors, you know, the red dress. Again, it's all really nice. It's just there's a a clear kind of trajectory and it starts in season 2 and it starts with the corsets and it starts with the lower necklines and it it's yeah. It it's it's clear. It's not subtle and it just gets more and more clear as time goes on and I just wish that there was another way, you know. Lancelot liked Gwen in season 1. You don't need like it's clear you can write a love story without doing that and that was your first love story was Lancelot and Gwen. So why then resort to this. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But yeah, I but yeah, I agree with everything that yeah, they said. Okay. I'll just read on in that case. Arwen and Martha. I ship Arwen, but it's sad that A, Gwen isn't given the nuances that the two main white male characters are given. One of the reasons I started caring a lot for Gwen was when I saw her through Arthur's eyes as he fell in love with her in season two. He saw her as a girl who'd be honest with him and give him something real. And B, the Arwen relationship isn't given the depth Martha is given. Plus, I hated that series 5 went out of its way to pit Arwen against Martha, in my opinion. Like, the Merlin's dream scene, either make it a separate scene or make it Arwen's last night together. Why inject Merlin into an Arwen moment? I love the hair coming, though. But here's what I felt I could relate to as a POC or someone from a certain background. Coming from a culture that puts a lot of value on marriage, I could feel for what I saw as Arwen struggled to do what they felt was the honorable thing. It makes sense to me why they didn't have a secret, passionate relationship. It's either marriage or nothing for them. Except oversweet kissing, lol. I like that, and that they're a bit cowardly and don't run away together. I think you're absolutely right in saying that we need to question our motivations when we show reluctance for POC characters. I feel really bad when I see the Gwen bashing in fans' comments. I've heard people criticize Morgana's arc too, but that doesn't feel as vitriolic. It's good to see upcoming Arthurian stories with POC, like Cursed, I'm liking the author so far, and the Green Knight movie. As for Merlin, yes, Gwen didn't look like the princesses we grew up with, but you know what? Merlin and Arthur didn't entirely live up to the ideals of traditional male heroes. And I love this show for opening us up to appreciate that diversity. That's really well said, I think. I completely agree. And I think that um, especially for the kind of Gwen bashing and stuff. I mean, it, it's interesting because I can only speak from my perspective, not others. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I see what happens in fandom, but I'm not in other people's heads, you know. And I <laughs> probably have had an equal amount of disdain for the way that both of them were treated in the show. Like in season two, um, I definitely felt a lot of frustration for... Gwen and then especially in season three with the whole kind of Arthur wanting to run away arc and her kind of she she both enables and uh condone um 
condemns the behavior at the same time because she enables Arthur to leave Elena to, you know, have feelings for her to go on secret dates. But then she condones when he then takes that as the green light to then say, I want to run away with you. So she's kind of messing them both around really by doing this, which was really frustrating for me because I was like, I thought you were smarter than this. You are the smart one. That's, that's who you are. <laughs> like, don't yeah. be this way, you know? Um, and then Morgana was such a fan favorite for two seasons. And yeah, probably received very little criticism from the audience because why, you know, she didn't get much screen time, but you know, there was nothing wrong with her. She was, you know, such a good character. And then just the, nosedive in season three i feel like there was a lot of uh mudslinging at her very quickly i maybe it took a bit longer to kind of really get going because i think it was just a shock it was like i can't believe that we're skipping a year i can't believe that she's this cartoonish i can't believe any of it but yeah i feel like they get they got their fair share equally um i mean maybe morgana kind of got slightly less because she had the the tragic backstory tm so people were like and you know people love katie as well you know you can't you can't say mean things about katie she's just amazing um but yeah it's it's just shit on just like just yeah, yeah, it's, I, yeah it's just shit <laughs> i think the difference is that with morgana like the criticism about morgana was a lot more directed towards uh, how she was written. Yeah, the writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas with Gwen, I'm sure some of the criticism was about how she was written, but the thing is that even if uh, a part of the criticism was about the writing, you can be sure that a whole other chunk of the criticism was about Angel specifically yeah, about yeah, how yeah, Angel yeah. looks, how Angel yeah. acts, and like uh, the thing is that Katie isn't even as good an actress as Angel, yeah, yeah. but everyone forgives Katie for being bad at acting yeah. because she's Katie, whereas Angel, uh, because she's a woman of color, has to work three times as hard yeah. to be acknowledged for what she does, even though she's naturally better at it than Katie is. Exactly. So yeah. that's the thing. When people criticize Morgana, they only criticize how Morgana was written but when people criticize Gwen they criticize how she was written how she was played who was playing her how she looked and so on and so forth no one does that for Katie exactly. for Katie or for sorry for Morgana it's always just oh she was written badly her character was shafted which is true her character was shafted they they did not do her justice but no one criticizes anything else about Morgana or Katie because it's Morgana and Katie uh, whereas Gwen just gets the short end of all of this exactly exactly oh it's just it's such a shit show <laughs> <It's such> a <laughs> truly shit show. truly uh but yeah okay if none of our guests have anything else to add i'm gonna move on to the next comment mm -hmm. season one episode two yeah. valiant yeah. there was this small conversation between uh gwen and merlin uh, before the day of the finals and i'm quite pissed that the conversation that happened was so focused on was so focused on Arthur and not on their friendship they didn't even try to converse you know properly it was all about Arthur sure it's because of the stress of the situation 
also annoys me that throughout the five seasons, none of the Gwen scenes are primarily focused on Gwen. It's always about her with someone else or someone else entirely. See, that's my problem. She deserved better. Yeah. Yeah. Especially how good of an actor she is. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. It is. And especially in season five, basically everything that she does is about Arthur, supporting Arthur, making Arthur feel better, being there for Arthur. You know, it's like, uh, it's very much about her. And then the scene, sorry, him. And then the bits that are about her, she's um, not herself. So yeah, it's, it's kind of. I completely can understand why Gwen fans felt really, really shafted in season five because it, it it did feel kind of like everything and nothing. Like, look, you got everything you ever wanted, but that, you know, that's it. That's all you're getting. <laughs> Bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah. She has, I mean, I'm, I haven't checked my um, spreadsheet, but I'm pretty sure Gwen has very little agency as well. Like a lot of what she does is motivated by other things or just a reaction to something that's happening she rarely does something just because she decides to do it thank you for that for that very good point brent that was uh that was a good interjection yeah i didn't think about that yeah that was really really good yeah all right moving on to the next comment which is a little more lighthearted. by i'm assuming it's pronounced gillian i'm sorry if that's wrong but it's spelled with a G, so I'm gonna go with Gillian, who commented on our episode review of Sweet Dreams, and they said, Thank you for another very enjoyable podcast. Sweet Dreams is one of my favorite episodes due to the perfectly delivered comedy from all main players. I wanted to tie a couple of comments to two of your discussion points. One, concerning how to look at Elenet and Trickler, I actually, to some extent, see them as a deliberate in-show dark mirror parody of Arthur and Merlin's own relationship. Because unpleasant as that thought is, there are similarities. Yes. Uh 100%. They are kind of, yeah, probably supposed to mirror them a little bit with Trickler being more pathetic and Alanid being more evil. (laughs) And also very arrogant. Yes, yes. Except, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it. It's basically yeah, the Shakespearean parody of what they are because obviously Alaned is just ridiculous. Like he's just, he's like he like his entire character is I need war. <laughs> like, just, I miss him already. I need to go rewatch that. <laughs> he's just like how he just sit like it, like I think it's in that scene where he's um, mentions how oh I'm almost attracted to him myself and then he just has that moment where you know a trickler tries to you know, cheer him up. He's like, oh, well, not to Lady Vivian, my lord. He just sits there and goes, I need war. It's like, how about a hobby? <laughs> how, about, how about anything else? <laughs> just, this is his hobby. <laughs> this is his hobby. <laughs> He's like, you know, peace will make me poor. I can't afford knights. Poor jesters. <laughs> it's like, don't threaten the guy with joblessness. <laughs> That's not fair. Maybe Arthur will hire him. He seems to be very entertaining, but yeah, I no, but I agree. Right, yeah, I think that that could absolutely be uh be the case in terms of yeah that kind of like parody of of Merlin and Arthur. Um, I don't know if that makes it funnier or more sad. I haven't decided. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just love them. You know how I feel about Alan and Trickler. I think they're so outrageously funny. They're awful, but they're so ridiculous. And especially Trickler, you know. Oh, I love him. You know, I'm in love. He's like, oh, with me. (laughs) (laughs) And see, the thing is, if they were in a Shakespeare play, I would be absolutely into that dynamic as well. And I wouldn't think of it in any negative terms but for merlin i mean i know sweet james is basically their shakespeare episode but because it is so different from everything else that merlin does either before or after this episode um that's where where i my problems with the queer baiting and and you know the or not even queer baiting but like the um making like the queer coding comes in because if this were a Shakespeare play, that would just be normal because Shakespeare was bi- by as hell. Every of uh, like all of his characters are queer to some degree, <laughs> whether you want this to be true or not. It's just that's just how it is. And um, so that that wouldn't even be out of the ordinary in an, in an actual Shakespeare play. So like if you watch Sweet Dreams as a self-contained episode never watch anything else of merlin just sweet dreams which honestly wouldn't be a worse choice in the world given the track record of this show um that would totally work but like just like with everything else we know about merlin um it just it just makes it a bit icky for me but then you know I'm coming back round to this is just a fever dream of of Uther's, so it works again. Well, the thing about Merlin, and 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 for me, the thing about a lot of shows like Merlin that have this very episodic kind of structure with very little through line, at least in the first two or three seasons, is that like the way I see it is that you have the base version of who these characters really are. And that's what they're established, you know, as at the beginning. It's the most consistent version of the characters that we know of them. And episodes like Sweet Dreams, like um, uh, Queen of Hearts, like um, Goblin's Gold, like uh, Beauty and the Beast, you know, but maybe not even Beauty and the Beast because that was serious in the sense that you know the things that they were feeling were real it's just that Katrina was enchanting everyone but episodes like Sweet Dreams for me where people just don't seem to be acting right like what we said how Uther just what is Uther doing but it's kind of amazing (laughs) he's dreaming it's basically like imagine if you have a cast of characters that are the canon version and then when people go and write an AU like okay so one of my friends that loves to write AUs in Haikyuu she 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 coined this beautifully and I never thought about it before she goes I love AUs because it allows me to take one particular character trait from the canon version of the character and either focus completely on that or exacerbate it so if I like the fact that this character is really really capable for example I can go and write an AU in which he's really really capable and really really cool and ignore the other really canon parts of that character where he's clumsy and a bit ridiculous like i get to exacerbate the character traits i want in an au where i can't in canon compliant and basically what merlin does is it makes au's inside the canon (laughs) which is really interesting (laughs) like that's why sometimes the characters are just awol because they were like well we just want to take our characters and play they're playing around in the canon and it's like who does that reminds this reminds me a lot of how there was this trend that emerged. I don't know even where it exactly came from. I, I'm wondering if Buffy started the whole thing where it became popular 
to have a musical episode because Buffy did that. And then I saw it on super, like supernatural did it. I don't even remember when supernatural did it. Um, but Grey's Anatomy also did it. Scrubs did it. That Like there are a bunch of shows that just have a musical episode and they find an inverse reason for there to be a musical episode. Like in Buffy, it was demons. Obviously everyone was under some kind of spell or like a demon enchantment or whatever in uh scrubs and gray's anatomy which are two medical shows scrubs being a medical comedy and uh gray's anatomy being a medical drama they had people with brain injuries who were just like hallucinating that everyone was singing to them so but like and that's just you know that's just something like that's a trope that someone in tv started and then other shows picked up and I would love if more shows did what Merlin did with Sweet Dreams, just have a Shakespeare episode. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just do a Shakespeare episode. I absolutely love it. And yeah. Ah, I and, when, and if you if you look at it under like what you describe with the AU within canon or like similar to how shows do musical episodes now, you also do Shakespeare episodes. I guess in that sense, uh, it like in, in that context, it makes sense for the episode to be what it is but I still think that since Merlin doesn't do this very often or like I don't think there's any other episode where I would reasonably notice that they actively did something out of the ordinary like Sweet Dreams (laughs) Queen of (laughs) Hot like if your character is saying in universe my son would never do that it is proof beyond doubt that he is enchanted you know you fucked up like if your characters are calling you out on your oc sorry your ooc behavior you know that you fucked it really bad like what the hell were they thinking okay but the thing is sweet dreams doesn't intend to be an au episode right uh, sorry sweet dreams does but queen of hearts does not intend to be an au episode whereas sweet dreams does intend to be an au episode so it's still (laughs) so it's still weird for sweet dreams to be like that when we have no other episode where they did that and they also did this before it was widely acknowledged and popular for tv shows to do that so either merlin was really a pioneer oh god (laughs) (laughs) what and I have the same feelings. Merlin as you was have. a pioneer in accidental incest before it was cool. Because <laughs> as we're gonna no, 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 no. That was Star Wars. Oh shit. Okay, yeah. You no, can't, okay. You sorry. Can't take that sorry, away from sorry, Star Wars. Sorry, okay. That was Star Wars original trilogy. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. You really can't take that away from <laughs> from that. <laughs> Just ask Diane. She <laughs> yeah, will tell you Diane. all about. <laughs> so yeah it's well i mean this is very on topic for this episode exactly that's why i thought like, about yeah. later <laughs> okay but just to just to finish this let me finish reading gillian's comment because there's a second part to it because they also wanted to comment on concerning gwen's statement to author at the end that she herself has caused her fair share of hurt to me these words seem to be the refer back to lancelot that you said you were missing in your podcast discussion I've understood that to be her acknowledgement that Arthur was hurt by seeing her choosing Lancelot in the Lancelot and Guinevere episode, and that she apparently blames herself and apologizes. Which means she now thinks she should have chosen differently back then and that Arthur had a right to be hurt. This annoys me, because it seems to detract from Gwen's agency as a free woman and limits her to being the the destined future queen. 
Yeah. I feel like Brent is probably seething somewhere and like yeah. agreeing with this. I <laughs> am. Nothing will stop the bad connection. I am. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not even a fan of Gwenzalot, but like, don't take the little bit that Gwenzalot has on this show away from the fans as well. <laughs> yeah. But I think Gillian might be right. Maybe that was the show trying to um, make Gwen acknowledge that she had a thing for Lancelot and now feels regret or whatever, which is just terrible. Yeah. Awesome. So now that we've uh, reacted to all of those talkbacks, thank you so much, guys, for getting in touch. We always really, really like to hear from you. And if you do want us to read your comment out on the podcast, then what you need to do is go over to our website, which is melissa.paracaproductions.com. And we don't react to every single comment, but we definitely react to the ones that we uh, feel like have new information for us to discuss or that we haven't uh reacted to that particular point before so please do continue to leave them because we react to almost all of them if not every single one but if you don't care about having your comment read out and you just want to get in touch with us in general then you can do so on tumblr and twitter where you can just um at melissa in any way shape or form reblog dm all that kind of stuff we have an email which is melissa.podcast at gmail.com and alex will send you an email back if you want to get in touch like that we're on iTunes where you can leave us a rating or a review, which is always really nice. And we have a Discord server as well, where we have a dedicated channel for episode reaction. So if people want to kind of go in there and discuss things just with a group rather than kind of do it through social media, then that's a really nice way. And the link is just on all our channels or just come ask one of us. And we have a Kofi account as well, which uh, we are currently accepting donations for Black Lives Matter charities, which we'll be donating to by the end of 2020. So we're coming up to that. If you want your donation to make it to a UK charity of our choice, then please do donate via Kofi uh, at some point before the end of December. Um, and we'll be doing that. I mean, whatever donations we receive after December, I imagine we'll just continue to donate yes. to them anyway. But if you want that to be your final kind of thing of the year i get it it's christmas like you know we're not asking you to yeah. but if you want and to that's that is available to you so yeah and the advantage of like tipping us through kofi to donate to a black lives matter organization in the uk is that i will personally try to match your uh donation and so if you donate i donate like i will donate anyway but like if you donate i will donate extra so you know you can double your donation without doing any like without spending your own money so that might be incentive for you to send us a coffee tip absolutely um and then we also have a melissa bingo that you can play along with at home if you want to um we get very repetitive on the podcast of course as you know we try not to but you know we do <laughs> and if you want to go and play along with that then you can and that's just a really fun game for you to play uh so yeah just ask us if you want one of those cards and then you can just do that as you listen wherever you are and those are all the places where you can talk to us and please do yes awesome Okay, so as we mentioned earlier and already heard from, we have two guests on this episode. And as always, with new guests, it is time for... Band of Mystery! So, uh, we're going to start with Joelle, who hasn't said anything yet. Joelle, please tell us a little bit about how you got into uh, Merlin the show and the fandom and... If there is something you do in fandom, like write or podfig or 
make fan videos or whatever uh just compile a rex i don't know what it is you do if you do something please tell us what it is you do great thanks um <laughs> I, it was 2015 back in november when i first started watching merlin um i was rooming in college with one of my friends who had seen the show and i had seen gif sets and stuff on tumblr and i was like <laughs> i have to see this because i was like Bradley James is definitely my type, so I had to <laughs> <laughs> <High> five. <laughs> um, so we started watching it, and then it just became an obsession from there. That like for the rest of my life since. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and then um, while watching it, um, I kind of got into like the armor shift right away. <laughs> Um, but like in a weird way, um, because I had seen some other King Arthur shows beforehand, so I had thought they were related to begin with, and my friends like, no, they aren't. But like I went five episodes thinking, why are they flirting with each other? Aren't they siblings? <laughs> <laughs> she said, oh no, they aren't related. So I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, but so then uh, later, and then in season three, we get the actual sibling reveal. I'm like, oh, but they are now. So this is kind of weird. And I, it became like my guilty pleasure ship that I like hid from everyone. I'm like, oh, everyone's gonna judge me if I like this weird incestuous ship that was like kind of dropped off later. <laughs> and they all pretend they were just siblings anyway. <laughs> but from the beginning, that they thought of each other that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I started my side blog for them and ended up making, meeting a lot of friends. And so awesome. um, <laughs> I do contribute uh to the fandom and that i got write armor fanfic i've been working on a fic that i started in 2016 and like i've been mm. on and on. i've been like writing it by myself but now literally because of the pandemic i've finally like had the time to start posting it and sharing it it's been great <laughs> um and then um one of my friends uh got me into video edit editing and making fan vids within the last year so i'm trying to get better at that i'm still not <laughs> you, sh you should talk to rox about that because rox is an avid fan vidder she can probably help you out yeah absolutely and it's always nice to have new merlin fan vidders around because a lot of the old guard have kind of disappeared so <laughs> yeah i've been vidding merlin since like 2010 so i would yeah i would you know you can always come ask me anything you want um i might not be a very good teacher but i can help <laughs> it's very difficult sometimes to show someone when you're not there <laughs> as i know yeah. because my friend helped me build a computer via whatsapp a couple of weeks ago and it was a bit <laughs> of a shit show so i get so i understand that it's very difficult to kind of like give pointers when you can't show someone but yeah you can always ask me anything and it's great that you're bidding thanks awesome Okay, then Brent, why don't you tell us the same things? Hello, my Tumblr is Open. I first saw the show on October thirty first this year. Wait, you got into you got into Merlin this year? October thirty first. This year. Yes. Okay. Wow, you're a baby. Congratulations. <laughs> It's going through different realizations as a fan of the series. I discover new things and new feelings about characters and ships every day. So it's just 
confusing at this point. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> like sometimes I ship armor, but I ship Motho. Yes, because I ship all of them, but I don't. And I'm mostly a Motho shipper. But over the past two weeks or three, I've grown to hate, not hate, but hate Arthur's character later in terms of Merlin. Because of, bias, because of how biased I am in terms of Merlin. Yeah. I will kill you for Merlin. Yeah. I, I, I relate. <laughs> I but this is such early days yet, Brent. I mean, you know, if you've just watched the show, you said in October, like, I feel as though you, you need way more time and you're, and the ships will become apparent to you. When you watch a show like Merlin or any show, you're going to ship everyone and everything and you're going to feel confusion beyond your wildest dreams. But as time goes on, the heart wants what the heart wants and it will lead you to the right place. So you'll finally feel settled with a ship eventually. <laughs> At this point, I don't actually want a ship. Like, I want Arthur to return, but I want Morgana for myself. Yep. And Merlin for myself. Fair enough. <laughs> and Arthur for myself. And all of them for myself. <laughs> this is a very healthy attitude, I feel. <laughs> Look, and even if you develop, like, your one true pairing, like the one ship that you love above all else... This could all change. I mean, look at me. I used to uh, like live and breathe for Merthyr for a couple of years. And now I'd sooner just ship basically anybody else except those two. Like, I'm not quite an anti. You are. I would never go so far as becoming an anti. But <laughs> I'm still, you know, I'm I'm very done with Merthyr as a person <laughs> as a sh- like the ship is very I'm very over this ship now so it could all it could all change so your attitude to like I don't want any ships I just want to date all of them myself is very healthy I think one thing you guys discussed was how similar Alinette and Trickler are to Merthyr and I'm, I never thought of it but- yeah, that's what this podcast is great for. It gives you a new perspective. We try to, anyway. <laughs> Adenid and Trickler are everything I hate about Merthyr magnified a thousand yeah, times. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way, us included, you know. And, that, and like, we always kind of, whenever Arthur does something that's just really shitty, we're just like, but maybe don't. like yeah how about just you don't maybe just like be your season four and five self like right now (laughs) like be the person that sits at the cat like sits next to merlin at the campfire speaking softly like be that guy (laughs) be the man i can see inside you (laughs) (laughs) that's an actual quote from the show by the way from gwen that's why i'm going yeah that's a quote from gwen to arthur be the man i can see inside you and i'm just like wait arthur's supposed to be like someone topping him (laughs) who's topping arthur in this scenario I'm very interested in this concept. <laughs> I've never really been that interested in Bottom Arthur, but I can absolutely, you know, respect all and any <laughs> situations. Let's be honest, I'm not that picky when it comes to <laughs> You just drink all the coffee. I'll just have it what like any way I can take it at this point, to be honest. Just give me something well written. 
god. But yeah. Okay. You're you're a fandom baby. Do you do anything other than like try to figure out what you like? Yeah. So like um I'm a writer so I wrote a Merlin fic uh, recently but it's just like uh, circled around Merlin. Okay. And it's very sad and I hate myself for writing it. I, I was crying this. while writing it. I feel this in my soul, Brent. I feel like me and you are just like siblings, like disconnected by thousands of miles. And I absolutely feel this. You, you just, you know, sometimes it, you know, you just got to get it out, and then it's there to make people cry, and that's that. Yeah. And I want to write more. I want to write more angst. Good. Do it. We're all encouraging you, right? All the angst you want. This fandom thrives on angst. If this fandom didn't embrace the angst, it would have died along with author. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> like I did. <laughs> Relatable. Okay. This is, I think this is a good group to talk about two minor ships, two rare ships in this fandom. Well, we'll get on so, to that. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get into that now. Okay, so we already said we're going to talk about Amor and Mergwen. For those who have no idea what these portmanteaus mean, uh, Amor stands for author slash Morgana, and Mergwen stands, of course, for Merlin slash Gwen. And these are two very, very complementary pairings because they can coexist in the same story if you want. Which I found on uh, on AO3 when I was doing the whole statistics things for later in the episodes doesn't actually happen that often. <laughs> At least not in pigs. I haven't found many pigs where both pairings um, coexist. But, well, we'll see. So when, uh, I mean, Joel already said that they started shipping it pretty much, like armor, pretty much right away because... That's just the vibe you get from Arthur and Morgana pretty much from the start. How is everybody else feeling about this? Yeah. Are we going to kind of like, are we going to focus on one ship first? We're just going to kind of talk about everything collectively, just in general. Um, I think we'll see how it goes, like if it interconnects with you, because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that like when I ask you, when did you start shipping I'm it? Both, You're yeah, probably going to tell me that you started shipping both of these ships very early on or at the same time. Because they're both season one, mostly. Ships. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So completely. I definitely feel like my appreciation for Armour grew with time. And ironically, it actually, the, the peak level of me really loving Armour actually came at the very, very beginning of season three because of how doting Arthur was towards her and how he completely changed like went from this kind of bickering like will they won't they thing and obviously you know by then there's Arwen so we knew it would you know uh, but it was like warm and caring and it really felt um like there was a real connection that's when I was like oh my god these two like really care for each other and even though I knew it was always going to remain platonic didn't realize how platonic <laughs> yet <laughs> um it was kind of like oh yeah this is damn cute but already you know you've got that like almost pride and prejudice vibe with them from the very beginning where it's like you 
you know, they, they like each other so much and yet something is preventing it and to be quite honest with you there isn't really a good reason as to why they're not doing it already it's just their own stupidity and so i'm just kind of sitting there like yeah they're so yeah, they're 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 locked in like this you know this game where you stare at each other and yeah. whoever blinks first loses yeah. That's basically them with their unresolved sexual it tension. Really they're just wait they were just waiting for the other one to break first and they waited so long. It's a pride thing. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah, a pride thing. Yeah, it's a pride thing. thing. This, absolutely. Like, there's this I don't know if you guys have seen it going around like on Twitter or something, but there's that whole new meme that people have been drawing fan art for, which is like, Oh, you wanna kiss me so bad it's embarrassing. And this is them <laughs> in a nutshell. It's like them being this way and it's like stop being this way <laughs> but it was always kind of you know they were always the power move couple like you know for me and again i i definitely shipped melon and gwen from day one but armor was like a bit more kind of it took a bit more time um just because i feel like at the time that i watched melon i was way more into like the cutesy couples um and the couple and and i've always been really into like kind of the unrequited pining that then turns into requited pining so merlin and gwen was like perfect for me whereas arthur and morgana clearly liked each other but they just weren't saying it so it wasn't as easy for me to get invested at, at first as i got older i kind of looked at it and i was like oh boy <laughs> this is just painful to look at um but merlin and gwen was instant for me like from the very first episode and in fact um I'm going to mention my two Tumblr tags that I've called for the for uh, for these two ships and Merlin and Gwen. My Tumblr tag is uh, more ordinary men like you, which is obviously referring to the quote. I like much more ordinary men like you. And then Merlin is oblivious and stupid because he's stupid. And then she's like, oh, yeah, well, he's a boy. I mean, what do you expect? I know. And he's young as well. And Gwen, Gwen is just so H word for Merlin. But like. <laughs> He's just not getting it. Like he's just not getting it. Like she's sending so many signs. She's basically in heat, and he's just like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Like whatever. And she's like, No, no, I didn't mean you. I meant more ordinary men. And it's just like, Mullen, do like something. you, like yeah. yeah. He's like, uh, it's like kiss me. It's like, oh my god, it's horrible. Um, and so that was kind of my, and then the Tumblr tag I have for Armour is we could have had it all, which I feel like basically encapsulates everything, if not for, you know, DNA, um, that basically ruined everything. I'm I'm pretty sure I could make an argument for them not being related if I tried hard enough, but I don't have the mental capacity to do it. I've actually heard people think they aren't because Arthur was born of magic, so maybe he's not actually like Uther isn't really his father. Like, I'm, 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 oh I'm accepting God. this as canon. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get away with the like, because so many Armor fans were like really distraught over the sibling reveal, and like we gotta find a way so we could ship this without yeah. support. <clears throat> like, it's, you know, it's it's not as bad as Star Wars where there are actual twins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and actually, um, I do just want to do a, a just a quick kind of disclaimer tangent seeing as we are going to be talking about armor and this is just me being burned by the fandom i'm currently in where this kind of disclaimer is apparently necessary to all of the idiots that roam free around there but basically we are obviously <laughs> discussing a ship which 
in the canon, these two people are related, either fully or half. We don't actually quite know because we don't know precisely what's going on with Morgana's birth because of all the lies <laughs> and who her real parents are. But someone's either fully related or half related. And obviously that's very controversial for a lot of people. You know, incest can be a pretty triggering topic. So obviously if this is something that is going to be triggering to you, maybe don't listen to this episode. But I would also encourage you to rem remember before you try and leave any hate comments or any kind of like nonsense like that that these are fictional characters they don't exist they don't have dna in real life because they're not real and they don't exist and so anything that we say has no bearing on reality and it is all fake so please don't start getting your underwear in a twist about the immorality of you know ancestral relationships and all this kind of stuff because none of it is real it's all fake i just really needed to put that out there because i could feel it going somewhere where it might not want to go and i was like yeah we are going to be talking about arthur and morgana yes they are related deal with it <laughs> like that's just the way that it is so yeah i just wanted to put that out there none of us chose this <laughs> none of us chose but yeah, there was actually a, uh, there was a gift set I was I was uh, scrolling past earlier when I was looking for fan works and stuff, which is just all of their season one moments with the like caveat at the bottom, Arthur and Morgana showing us how to have a brother sister relationship since season one, <laughs> like all of their really flirty moments. What? <laughs> like yeah, so yeah, I like I'm not gonna go into it, but yeah, basically I started shipping Armor probably like fully properly at the very beginning of season three, but I always saw the potential and I have made fan vids for them prior to season three, which like were there, so I was definitely seeing the potential. Um and then Merg uh Mo and I was shipping immediately and it is still really, really near and dear to my heart. And honestly, like Moen would have probably been my OTP had it not been for just kind of the complete lack of content for them and I was kind of like that was my exclusive ship for quite a while and then towards the latter part of season two was when I started shipping Mirtha and then I was just kind of like but why would I ship anything else <laughs> no I am kidding like obviously I did continue shipping like other stuff but it was like it was a shameful side dish to the <laughs> to the main event that was then all of a sudden Merlin and Arthur but yeah Moen and Armour like they come as a package deal for me for sure what about you, Brent? When did you start shipping Armour and or Moen? Right now, probably. Actually, I don't ship either of them. Not even when I started watching, watching the show. The thing is, so the way um, Arthur and Morgana talk to each other in the second episode of the first season, it's exactly how I talk to my sister. So I was... <laughs> Initially, just I I siblingified their relationship in my viewpoint from the second episode itself, but I still shipped them, and I think that should be an issue. No, it's not. It, yeah, it it's it's really not. And this is the thing: like the amount of conversations I've had with people about any kind of fictional dynamic that you like and that apparently is gross or wrong, and it's the same kind of like you know argument of well you know if you ship gay couples that means you're gay it's like no <laughs> like or if you for some reason find like this dynamic that they end up being related like really hot and it's like oh well then you clearly want to go and screw your brother it's like no <laughs> that's i really really don't exactly that's not how it works you think that like with the and um, the amount 
of fan fiction that exists in the world for people who are related, you'd think that incest was rife. Like, but it's not. <laughs> so that should tell you everything you need to know. Like, the ratio of fics to actual incest doesn't match up, guys. It doesn't match up at all. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's really not an issue. But um, yeah, did you? Uh, so hang on, Alex, because you haven't really said. Do you ship either of them at all, or is this just kind of you're just along for the hype train? I'm I'm mostly along for for the ride. Um, I can see with so many other things. I can see why people ship them. I just don't like. And if they had become canon, like either of those ships, I would have been fine. But I just I don't have strong feelings. I I feel about these two ships like I used to feel about Arwen, except that now I don't like Arwen anymore. <laughs> like I. I actively dislike Arwen mostly because of some Arwen fans and we had all of this discussion before um but I'm very um what's the word I'm looking for um ambivalent about no is ambivalent the word I'm looking yeah, for Yeah like you don't really care either way I Yeah think. yeah I I can see I can see their potential I can see why they would have been great as a couple but I don't actively ship them in that I um uh, look for fan fiction or content about them or where I'm sad that they didn't happen. I'm just, yeah, I'm just along for the ride. Yeah. Joelle, you already said earlier that you started shipping Amor pretty much right away or very early on. Do you have any feelings about Morrowind as a, as a pairing? I really like them to begin with. Like, I, I guess... Um, like I, I guess I casually ship them. Like I enjoy them in the show, but I haven't actually read fanfic or like um, like blogged about them really. But I do enjoy them when I watch the show. Other things, I mean, apart from you know, Amor, obviously the big problem yeah. is that <laughs> in season three the writers suddenly decided, oh, these should be siblings. Um, apart from that big elephant in the room, is there anything you dislike about Amor or Merwin as a ship? I find that Merwin I love and then just as soon as Arthur comes onto the scene I feel as though Merlin's relationship with Gwen just kind of disappears almost and I would love a bit more closure for the kind of like one-sided pining that she had is what I'm trying to say because they basically turn into like the, the the gay guy and the gay guy's best friend like going forward like that's basically the kind of vibe I get from their relationship which is fine like I feel like that's what they were kind of going for maybe from the beginning but I think that like what frustrates me the most is that it became like sidelined quite a lot because all of the scenes that Gwen would normally have with Merlin she's now having with Arthur which is fine um but yeah just there's there's just no closure like Merlin doesn't do closure very well like there was no closure for Lancelot and Gwen there was no closure for Merlin and Gwen and for me the trajectory of their relationship feels really odd and I think it's mostly to do with the ordering of things like it felt really genuine episode one you know the crush episode two she's starting to kind of get used to him and like being around him but again by episode three she's already kind of flustered again 
so that almost feels like it should be flipped like we've said before like that should have you know come first like they should have had their big merlin saving her moment and then in valiant they can like talk like humans like they're kind of you know talking like people and then you know you see her doting for him in episode four and then there's the bit kind of almost like the first kind of climactic moment for their relationship where she finally kisses him which is a huge deal and i feel like it's never brought up even though it's a huge deal that this kiss happened and yet nothing yeah. <laughs> it's just never brought up ever by yeah. anyone ever again even by merlin in the following episode when lancelot asks him <laughs> if you yeah. two are anything special believe me vanessa i started yelling when she mentioned the kiss yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I have a lot of thoughts about it. Yes. In the episode, we can hear Merlin say that it was more than okay. Yes. <laughs> and in the next episode, it's gone. Listen. No clue. Nothing. This show doesn't do continuity, okay? You can't expect it to start. Well, that's our biggest problem with the relationship. And uh, and uh, look, the only thing that I can kind of feasibly explain this anomaly for is that, you know, he's just been brought back from the dead. He's, you know, things are happening, right? And it's just like, whoa. But then he's over it. <laughs> like, he's just a bit kind of like, yeah, I'm, well, 18, hot girl, but then it's like okay yeah like i'm done you know but it's just poor gwen you know and then but then it's like you know that then could have just been it like that could have been the all right i guess it you know and then lancelot comes on the scene and that's it boom crush gone but this is the thing and look i i get that it's done relatively realistically because you know just because you fall in love with this you know mysterious handsome guy who's good and pure and wonderful doesn't mean that like your crush on this other person suddenly disappears but like from a storytelling perspective it isn't helpful to the audience when you've got gwen like falling in love with lancelot and at the same time she's still flustered over merlin and then as soon as lancelot leaves like merlin's Gwen's crush on Merlin still continues like in Excalibur she's still doing the whole like you know flustered thing of like um giggling and like when he goes to get the sword from her she's all kind of like you know and then after that I feel like that's when things completely end for them like there's no other giggly cute moments like then it all like in ep 10 it basically all transfers to Arthur um and then they become completely platonic but Again, it's like with Armour, my, you know, my complaint with Armour is that it just fizzles out with no real rhyme or reason. Why is Armour flirty in season one and not in season two? Explain this to me. They didn't give Arthur Forgotten enough scenes. They just, like, let's just make it more plausible for Arthur and Gwen now because we'll just not put Morgana in the picture anymore. Exactly. I would have loved to see, like, Morgana's still have feelings for Arthur, but then maybe Arthur's starting to divert attention towards Gwen. Exactly. Like, to see that play out more. Like, instead of just being like, oh, no, just kidding, season one between Arthur and Morgana didn't happen at all. And it's not see, like it was subtle. <laughs> if I if I didn't, like, the thing is, if I think about it this way, like, it, ugh, I hate myself for saying this, but it, it almost would have made sense for Morgana to feel like a jilted lover or something. Oh, yeah. And then uh, that's like the one reason I can find for why she hates Arthur so much, because there is no other canonical reason why she would hate Arthur this much. Like I get why she hates Uther, but why would she hate Arthur 
this much, or Gwen for that matter. And the only the only canon reason that makes any sort of sense is that she feels that Arthur and she should have become a couple, and instead Arthur started developing feelings for Gwen. It's bizarre. Like, I mean, I can see Morgana hating Arthur just by the very default of the fact that he stands in her way of becoming queen and she wants to rule Camelot and stuff. And I can see her hating Arthur through the lens of, well, Arthur promised he'd be this great ruler, but he's king and everyone still, you know, like magic is still outlawed. Everything still sucks. He's a liar. But that's me coming up with that. None of that is actually in the canon. It's yeah. just me making shit up. Like the only canonical reason that Morgana hates Arthur is because she wants to be queen, which is not a yeah. good reason to hate someone that you apparently used to love. It's just yeah, and whether that's like platonically or romantically or yeah. in a fam family kind of way doesn't even matter morgana did love arthur in some kind of way and then suddenly from one season to the other she doesn't anymore yeah and i think i mean i don't know how you you two feel about arthur and morgana having again no closure like the only two ships that ever got closure in merlin were arwen and mirtha mirtha obviously getting the biggest amount and then arwen kind of you know some arwen fans feel uh shafted others feel very satisfied with their ending but whatever your opinion i think if you compare it to other ships in the show you really can't complain but you know you look at moen armor uh gwenselot they they all got fucked royally but armor particularly you know they really really didn't get their due diligence but what do you think like do you think that they got a tragically deserved ending or should they have had a moment where they made up i don't know what the answer to that is to be honest see i have my own opinion about this whole morgana suddenly turning into an an arthur auntie i guess uh, this started in the the fire of solar i guess uh, she is falling I think I kind of understood what you said a little bit. You're basically saying that it makes sense that Morgana hates Merlin, but it makes no sense that she hates Arthur after after season two. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. So I think that's what you're saying. That it makes sense because he poisoned her and everything, but it makes no sense that Arthur's involved in that. Which yeah, I agree. <laughs> There's no no real rhyme or reason to any of it. But um, when she gets back in season three, she's okay with Merlin, not uh, not any hatred for him but suddenly she's just loathing arthur and yeah. Uther equally yeah so it makes you feel like something happened between the two seasons which involves more powers performing the Diana Diago on her because it doesn't make sense it's just a plot hole and i do not like plot holes as a writer this yeah <laughs> absolutely none of us do and again yeah no. like she hate like I think her hating Arthur comes like very like at the very end. And honestly, what hurts the most is that scene in season five when he's talking to that evil king at uh, at the table. He says, "Well, what we have in common is our hatred for Morgana." So, what the hell happened in that three year time skip? That that was what did it was the three year time skip. Morgana, I think, is being influenced a lot by Agravain in season four, particularly. But her biggest beef at the moment is with Merlin and Gwen because Gwen is 
um, there to take her place, she feels. And Merlin, you know, we all know how that goes. But the thing, Morgana versus Arthur is not a plot point that happens until season five. And I just want to know what the hell went down. I think it's to do with her coming to terms with the whole magic slave trafficking thing or whatever happened to her when she was kept in prison and she's like Arthur's responsible for this thing happening he could have saved me or something I think that's where it's coming from she feels like he's let her down he feels like she feels as though he's abandoned her like by abandoning magic people and that it's personal Morgana's hatred for Arthur is not not so much a true representation of like how she truly feels it's just more of an obsession at this point and i think the last true re- like the last true representation of how they feel about each other is probably in season four when they come face to face and he asks what happened to her and you can see the pain in them like they they're both living such different realities like they they're like in a way they're both living the same reality but they haven't learned how to talk to each other and of course they haven't learned how to talk to each other because their entire relationship was based on what wasn't said so what what do we expect from when things then end up and like, going wrong they the thing is they were raised by uther who never talked about anything exactly so where would they have learned to communicate exactly they- you know um i think that if they had just had if they were just locked in a room for a day and just told to like talk it out, things would have ended up so differently, but they were always in the wrong place. Um, And I guess that's kind of the tragedy of them, but I just wish that it had been executed a little bit better. And all the things that we're talking about now, like, you know, Morgana's kind of slow descent into insanity, Morgana's resentment of Arthur that he didn't come to save her, Morgana's resentment of Arthur that he turned out just like his father. I wish that had been more explicit because at the end of the day, this all just meta none of it happened so i'm just a bit like "Mm." (laughs) again us just filling in the gaps yep that's a constant mood with this show but that's my yeah that's my one gripe about both armor and merwen is just the the lack of closure for both of the storylines that basically fell off the side of the planet uh after season one and it's and it kind of feeds back to what you said in our season two recap alex season two feels kind of like a season one but better like in some ways maybe not in others but it feels like a season one redo but better and it it's true because basically it's moen's gone armor's gone and those were two major points in in season one and armor in particular was the main love story i mean armor had more development and more scenes in season one than arwen had in season two i would argue like they felt more natural in the way that they came across on screen than anyone after that. So it just feels a bit, <sighs> yeah, it's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> all of it fine. Narrator voice, it was not it fine. It was not fine. Um, but does anyone <laughs> else have any complaints about the way that the relationships were handled that I ha- that like, we haven't already mentioned? Yeah, like... Um... With Armor, I really like what you said about them not having closure. I think one of the worst things for me is in the last episode when I had like this hope when Morgana comes and sees Arthur wounded, like I'll stand and watch over you. And then she goes off and says, like, till the wolves yeah. forge on your carcass and bathe in your bloodline. 
And then Arthur just doesn't have any lines. Like, he doesn't say anything to her. They, there's nothing there. And then Merlin just comes out of nowhere and stabs her, which is really anticlimactic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's so, if you compare it to um, how it goes in the original, I mean, I'm saying original version of the Legends, when we all know it's just, you know, it's a lies, big... Yeah. There, There's loads of versions, and you can't really trace the very original original but like in the very earliest versions and i we talked about this in our morgana character analysis episode um uh morgana's character or morgan was actually one of the character like one of the people who watched over arthur's body while he slept in avalon while he was recuperating from the wound that he took like from the wound that was inflicted on him where the uh like the it was a magical wound and he was like sleeping in avalon for i don't know how long until he's healed and there were 12 fairy queens if i remember who were watching over him to make sure that you know he wakes up when he's ready and he doesn't actually die from this wound and morgan lafay was one of them who was watching over him so she was never the one she was never supposed to be the one who inflicts these wounds on him who is the cause of his death she was there to make sure that he can come back yeah and then the legend slowly but surely twisted her character more and more into this like it actually if i remember correctly it started when the french got involved as it so often does no offense to the french but that's when it all started to change uh because they introduced lancelot and then Lancelot uh, was everyone's favorite. Obviously, everyone was in love with Lancelot, including Morgan, who realized she couldn't have Lancelot because he loved Guinevere. And then she became this jealous, jilted lover or not lover over Lancelot and so on and so forth. And this is how it all started to deteriorate for Morgan or Morgana. And so I'm just very bitter about this. But anyway, coming back to my original point, it's such a um, uh, such a twisted version of that where Morgana is there to see Arthur die, whereas the original version of Morgan Le Fay was the one to watch Arthur while he healed. Yeah, it's... Yeah. yeah. I feel this so much because... Merlin actually got me to like so seek out other like novels and shows of the Thurian legends, and I just loved this this part of their relationship. And like, um, and I, it's so sad. Like in modern depictions of Morgan, how she just turned into a villain when she used to be like this, the priestess of the old ways. And I feel so like I hate that in Merlin. This is might be going a little off tangent, but uh we see the priestesses are always as villains and we never see them like we never see the old religion and magic is used in good unless it's merlin but then that's even so kind of ambiguous sometimes with what he yeah. does like he's like the only one that gets looked at as a hero whereas all these female priestesses are they do all this dark magic and yeah. it's evil like, i i recommend if you haven't already to i haven't read the book but i've watched the movie the mists of avalon uh where they are siblings uh morgana and arthur they are siblings and they are uh tricked into sleeping together and then morgana gets pregnant uh from that but she dearly loves her brother like 
she doesn't sexually love her brother. They were tricked into sleeping together and she keeps a secret, like she finds out later on and then keeps a secret because she knows it would uh, destroy Arthur to know that he had slept with his sister. Um, but she genuinely adores her little brother and her little brother genuinely adores her and they have such a loving, sweet uh, relationship with each other, even though it's it's not sexual because they are actual siblings. Um, and the time it is sexual, they don't actually know that it's them. Uh, but um, I think you and like Morgana is always like spoiler alert, I guess Morgana is always a good character in that she is she is closer to the original legends Morgana than uh, whatever later versions turned her into. Yeah, I absolutely cannot recommend Miss of Avalon enough. I've read the book and it's really, really. I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a beast. It's a really, really long book, but uh, it's really good. They, it's a bit different the way it goes down in the book because they actually realize who they are the morning after. Like they reckon, like they kind of realize who, like what, what they've done, and then they both keep it a secret um, until. Guinevere finds out somehow I can't remember how but um yeah basically it's not like as climactic like where Arthur finds out years later he basically has been keeping this on his heart the bottom line is go watch the movie the movie is really really good I think it's actually like a mini series or something but yeah it's really 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 good and then read the book um it's also really really good you will dislike Gwen a lot though like you will love Morgana but you'll hate Guinevere in this book she's awful I read it right after finishing. Oh, Mr. Babylon! Oh, isn't it amazing? Time. Yeah, it's yeah, just, it is. Yeah, it's so. Good. Um, oh, I really want to reread it now, but it's so long. Like it's like a thousand pages. <laughs> I just can't be fucked. I'm just like, no. I should check if there's an audio. There is. I think so I've got be... it, but it's just like that's also like two months of listening. It's so much. It should be shorter. Be Not shorter. for me. Yeah, it wouldn't be for me. That's true. Uh, but yeah, we basically agree that we're very sad about the way that things happen. But I think that's kind of the. What Merlin turned into was it was a was a was a a list of tragic endings for really everyone. Nobody really got their happy ending. Which was sort I mean, of trick. Gwen it. kind of got a happy ending because she got to be queen. I mean, and she got to be yeah, awesome. I would rather, <laughs> but everyone she loved died or lived. Yeah, so. <laughs> she can keep her happy ending as far as I'm concerned. That that look on her face on that final shot doesn't look that happy to me. It looks more like oh well. Now I've been left with this. Thanks. <laughs> I really, I was fine in my house. And then it's like my day was so bad. And then, oh no, Arthur Pendragon. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> made it even worse. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, ba so after all that kind of complaining, shall we maybe talk about the things that we do love about these two ships? Yeah, that's why we do the complaining yeah. first, so we can cheer okay. ourselves up afterwards. Um. Well, listen. <laughs> oh God, Arthur and Morgana just really need to like go off for like an hour and just like deal with some shit because it's really like it's annoying me watching them sometimes i'm just like dude do you know who they remind me a lot of actually and this is some uh, like this has always been kind of like my fan cast for them for years they remind me of dimitri and anya like they they just are those two characters like bickering unspoken attraction like pretending like they don't care but then there are but then there are those moments like in the quiet moments when they really do care 
but then no one's saying that they care. And I'm just sitting here like, dude, <laughs> like, how much of this do you expect me to take? <laughs> it's really not very fair. I mean, what do you guys feel about these two? What I like about them and what I see in them as a potential couple is that um, they're those BFFs that love each other but don't know that. Yeah, exactly. And it's very frustrating. <laughs> I mean, what do you feel, Joelle, like in terms of, I mean, why did you fall in love with them? Like, what is it about them that you love? I I guess, see, I feel kind of weird because, like, I like the forbiddenness of their relationship once we find out the yeah. sibling reveal. And I, I guess dealing with, um, like, what it would be like to feel like they're betrayed. I don't know, I mean, by Uther that they both don't know this this secret. And I I guess, it, like, some of my favorite things about them is not really explicitly canon in the show. And that I feel like it would it be some reason for Morgana's vengeance against Arthur would be to find out that, and Uther, um, that the man she was attracted to turned out yeah. to be her brother. Um, but I also like, in the beginning... When it, before we know about this, I like their, uh, their, the way they bicker with one another and their banter. I like that Arthur is kind of like cocky and short of himself and so like, oh, but you do like me, just admit it. And she doesn't want, she's too proud to admit yeah. it to him. And they have this um, kind of, th that banter back and forth. Um, I also like that she's the one in the first season to kind of get him to do what's right. Like, she's always the one who pushes him to like, act against what Uther's doing, or like to, um, whenever it's to protect someone that she cares about, like Gwen in the third episode. Um, and I, I guess I like that they're also just, uh, kind of opposites. I mean, like, this kind of goes off of like how they are in, in Legend and other versions, um, of her being magical and him being kind of like, um, born to be the next king and kind of try to, um, like she is kind of like off on her own, a witch in the woods, kind of like, um, I don't know how to describe it. Like, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I, like, it's like she's sort of like mysterious, right? Yeah, yeah, I really like that, and that yeah, they kind of have this yin and yang thing going on with him being ordinary and like her being magical. What I really love though about like, and I love what you said about her kind of making him do things he wouldn't normally do. Because the one thing I love about these two is that you know I would argue on occasion, sometimes even more than Merlin, like she is the only one that can fucking get through to that guy. Like you know when he really really needs someone to kick him into what he's supposed to be doing she's the only one that can ever actually kind of get through to him get him to do what he's supposed to do and he will listen to her he listens to her more than he listens to anyone else i mean possibly merlin but not in season one at the very least it's morgana that is the one that calls the shots really you know yeah the thing is uh i think one of the reasons why morgana gets through to arthur is because she dares him yeah she just flat out dares him to do something and then 
he is too proud to like prove her right or wrong depending on how she approached the whole thing but he's just like well fuck now i have to do it because morgana thinks i can't it's because they're made of the same stuff alex you know like they are so similar (laughs) they're both prideful as hell which is why nothing happens for a year you know they're uh both stubborn and they're both really easily wounded and very spiteful so it kind of you know she knows what to say because she's the same (laughs) um and i think that you know merlin learns that about him but you know he and merlin are very different in the way that they approach things um and morgana and he are very very similar and in season one like i would argue that merlin has a bit more clout over arthur as time goes on but in season one it's morgana that's in charge like she knows him she just knows him and she knows what to say um but yeah they've just got that whole unspoken thing going on and it's just it's a lot for me to handle <laughs> it's just a mm. lot and like i don't know if this should maybe go later or earlier but I, uh no okay I, uh no i'm i'm gonna save this for head cannons because it is technically not not actually a part of the canon but i yeah i just think that her her protectiveness over him is just really really wonderful his um well protectiveness yeah I would argue he's I can't tell with him sometimes because on the one hand he does do stuff to like protect her but on the other hand I feel like he does he I don't think he's as protective over her as she is of him like she you know she goes after Sophia and you know she's actively like you know there like a lioness in his corner whereas he's a bit more subtle I feel with it all he'll just kind of be like you know no Morgana stay at home it's dangerous you know he does it the dude way <laughs> he's like I don't really care about you. <laughs> I don't care about you at all. But yeah, like, I love what Joelle was saying about kind of like their teasing, like Arthur goading. And this is something that I find really interesting about the relationship as a whole. And I think maybe we can discuss, like, how much do you think that they're aware? Because I feel like this has been, you know, Arthur has teased her quite a few times about her kind of you know liking him and and it's not that they're completely stupid like you know he does say oh it's obvious that you like me or he says oh I don't see you as something to be jealous of or you know Morgana you know saying to Gwen oh I wonder who these are from and Gwen's like maybe they're from Arthur so it's not that like they're completely stupid like they're not idiots they are aware of like what people think about them they're aware of like the fact that there's something there but I guess my question is like then why do they not do anything about it? <laughs> um, my personal opinion, it's because even in the difference between between Martha and Armour is that Merlin motivated Arthur when Morgana mm-hmm. challenged Yeah, that's true. She challenged. Yeah, 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 that's true. Alex, is there anything that you want to contribute into, like what you like about Armor in the canon? Because there's a lot of stuff that I have to say about like head cannons that I have for them, but I don't want to like clog this section up with that because that's not what this is for. <laughs> um, like their dynamic. No, I mean, I really like, I really like their the canon relationship in the first two seasons. I mean, barely season two, but you know, it's when it's there, it's there. Um, with all the the tension and the bantering and that's that's what I what I like how the tension builds it's just that it never gets 
resolved in any kind. Unsatisfied um, sexual tension. It's like the worst <laughs> kind. <laughs> basically. Uh, but yeah, I, I like their canon relationship as far as it's developed in the first two seasons. Yeah. And I didn't say this earlier, but obviously the, the thing I dislike about it is how the show basically just forgot about it. Yeah. Um, so Merwin, uh, for me, what I love about them, I mean, I've kind of said this before, is like, you know, so if, to me, Armour and Merwin are kind of like two sides of the same coin, <laughs> in a way. Hey. Like, Armour is the, like, more adult, like, brooding unspoken like we've got issues like kind of situation and then Moen is just there being like wholesome and like teenage love and it's just really like a lovely kind of flip of what's going on with Armour because like it's just pining and it's crushing and it's oh here's this flower and it's like that kind of shit it's just I just wanted to see them date. <laughs> I just wanted them to date and then break up and still stay friends. And I know it's medieval times, so there was no such thing as dating. But like, I just feel as though they deserved it. Or Gwen deserved it. She was crushing so hard. Like, I just, like I said, for me, I love these kind of ships that are just wholesome and pure. I love, 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 love the idiot oblivious guy who is like nice to everyone. And so, like, you never know if when he's being nice to you, he's like being nice to you because he likes you or he's being nice to you just in general. And so it just messes you up like severely. And then like Gwen trying so hard to give hints because she wants to be like, I like you too, but he's just not getting it because he's like, I mean, I'm being nice to her. Right. And it's just like, it's such a realistic situation to find yourself in, not speaking from personal experience in the slightest, of course. Um, this has happened to me many times in my life. But it's like, this is the thing. These are the kind of guys, by the way, that are like freaking dangerous because like I said, they're just, oh, I'm just friends with everybody. Everybody likes me and I'm so nice to everyone. And it's just like, yes, but it would be easier if you were an asshole to everyone and only nice to me. <laughs> then I would know. <laughs> it's just like i just felt like a kinship to gwen here i don't know why i can't think why <laughs> but it was there um but yeah narrator voice she knew exactly why. oh she knew exactly why like oh there's my teenage years <laughs> right in front of me i can see them <laughs> um but yeah that's i mean yeah for me it's kind of yeah like it hurts i'm just gonna be like oh damn it that feels that feels uh familiar <laughs> but at the same time it's just, yeah, I love the realism of it. I love the kind of, like, cuteness of it. The Obviously, it's a bit futile, which is a bit sad. Like, you know, you know, you know it's never going to happen. But, um, yeah, that's what I love about Merwin. It's just that kind of giddiness, crushing, unrequited pining. I wish it ended up being a bit requited. But, yeah, that kiss. Ah, ah, so much hype. Um, but, yeah, does anyone else have anything to say about Merwin and, like, what they like about them in the canon, like, their, their shipping potential? Merwin. Yeah. It's like um, kids elementary school. Yeah. Signing. Exactly. Armor is like college kids signing. Yeah. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right because Armor at least is aware of the fact that they're being stupid, whereas Merwin is just like, we're just babies. <laughs> What's next? Headcanons? 
technically, it would be fandom versus canon. Like, how are they portrayed in canon, and how are they portrayed in fandom? Which requires people like you, Rox, who has probably read Merwin fakes, and Joel, who has probably read Armor fakes, uh, and has also written Armor fakes to tell us. Um, where like is it the same is it different where does it differ <clears throat> i mean if there's no difference then we can skip it i just i'm interested because i think we talked about this in the Mercer episode how obviously author is constantly mistreating merlin in canon and then in fan in fanon there are always these doting people and Rox has brought the uh, example very early on from uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where people constantly mischaracterize Bucky and Steve in their stories because they switch out their characterizations. Yeah, um, I think the big thing, maybe going off of how like Arthur and Morgana were kind of dropped for Arthur Gwen, or like it's definitely the portrayed where in fix or like even fan vids. Um, where Arthur cheats on Morgana <laughs> with either Gwen or maybe it's Mythian or someone else. There's like always an affair going on <laughs> that like is usually the plot of this um the story. And they end up getting back together. It's very interesting. <laughs> Which I don't Yeah, like um he's not really like that so much in the show really. Like I know the relationships get dropped, but he seems pretty loyal to Gwen, but like he's very much we, how we portray him when we write about him is very not like that. So weird. Like I, I've, I've, I've rarely seen like going off of my millions of years of Mercer reading experience. Like there was maybe one or two stories where Arthur cheated on Merlin in some way. It's more likely that he would have cheated on Gwen with Merlin. But even that, it usually didn't happen because the Merthyr fans didn't want Arthur to be the cheater. So it's very interesting that in the Armour fandom, that's very different. They all just agreed that Arthur is awful. Well, I think it kind of makes sense in a way because like Arthur Morgana's relationship is so on and off as it is like in the canon that it kind of makes sense to be like well Arthur dropped Morgana and like that relationship got dropped so I guess you know he's flighty enough with her that like he'd just go and cheat <laughs> like I guess I don't know but it doesn't really make sense to me in the sense of what Arthur as a character is like because he's extremely loyal yeah so that's just incorrect it's interesting <laughs> it's an interesting take on this character like i'm not dumping on the armor fans for for doing that it's just i i'm like interested to know where that comes from like because i can track a lot of the merthyr fandom trends with regards to authors characterization uh like where they came from what inspired them and a lot of it is that uh they took inspiration from what bradley is like on social media and they turn Bradley into author a lot of the times. But I'm, yeah, I just find this really interesting. I want to know where this inspiration comes from to turn author into a cheater. That's really, really interesting. I mean, obviously, the only kind of version of Armour I've ever seen in, in fic has been from the Mirtha perspective and same with Moen. And yeah, they're always just, Moen is always very wholesome and very supportive and Armour 
is just basically what they are in the show, which is bickering, but at, but ultimately in each other's corner. Yeah, I think we also have, there's like a lot of angst between the two characters that gets written about. Or like, if it's like a one-shot kind of thing, it's just like, and it's a, a, a explicit, like, sex scene between the two. Good! That's what it <laughs> should be! <laughs> and it's like, or like, you'll have the people who do write the more kinkier stuff with them as siblings, and that's like the Hornbelt plot kind of thing. Um, or, um, I guess there's a lot, there's a few people who do write, like, fix it, fix for the show as a whole with Arthur McGonagall being the main pairing, which is more in character with the show. Um. Yeah. That's okay. so interesting, yeah. I, like, when I get your rec list, I'm really gonna, like, kind of have a skim through and see if there's anything that floats my boat because I would love to yeah kind of take a look at a different a different perspective um on that kind of thing so what usually happens to Merlin in these fics who does he end up with or is he just on his own like all this <laughs> oh Brent there with the savagery <laughs> <laughs> sorry go ahead Joel uh, last time he's not even like he's like just a Arthur's kind of friend or supportive of the relationship, or um, he's not in the thick at all. Fair enough. <laughs> Ooh, nice. I love that. <laughs> um, I was thinking, should we just combine like favorite tropes and headcanons? Because I feel like they're probably yeah. going to intersect yeah. a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to say, like, a, kind of a headcanon I've had for a while with Armour is that, like, they haven't always really felt this way like in the show like when we meet them in season one like the whole unspoken attraction thing is something that's actually fairly new to them and the reason why i say this is because like they're still kind of in this hostile phase where they're not dealing with it and i think that's because they've only just started kind of noticing each other in that way um like you know what that reminds me of this one princess well i mean look i didn't want to say it but i have vivid it (laughs) So I feel like I it's, agree. Okay. I I don't know if our guests or our listeners uh, know the animated movie The Swan Princess, but it's about uh, two like a princess and a prince. They are not related, but their parents are best friends, and their parents have decided that they should get married. Like, it's like an arranged a, marriage, a prince and a princess yeah. should get married, and uh, so they're they're forced to spend their summers together every year, and they just hate each other <laughs> like when they are children they just hate each other up to the point when they're like i'm assuming let's say 17 and then or 18 and then uh again there comes a summer that they're forced to spend together and now they look grown up and both of them realize oh no she's hot or oh no he's hot and then suddenly they're in love so with armor yeah i feel like this is quite a new thing for them and also i I'm in the camp of people that would absolutely agree with this theory that Arthur, I actually, okay, this is very painful for me to say. I think for Arthur on his side, it was always just like a physical attraction that he was able to just kind of put to a side because it never went further than that. So he was able to like tease Morgana, but he was always like, well, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I'm not really too bothered about it because he wasn't in love with her. I think Morgana was actually in love with Arthur and that's why his teasing got to her so much. I think like there's a balance of feelings there. You said that in in the movie, um, the adult prince says, 
to to her that she's beautiful and she wants him to say more things yeah. about how she's a wonderful person or whatever and that's not happening so that's another parallel between kind of, Off yeah. and Morgana kind of yeah <laughs> um, it kind of like uh, puts forward a p- perspective that Morgana did love him yeah but Arthur just was it word yeah well, Arthur just wanted to have a good time yeah. and Morgana actually wanted a relationship. Well, this I mean, look, uh I feel like every single one of us feels offended by this because it's like <laughs> 100% things that have happened to all of us and also like yes. it's 100% backed up by what happens in the canon because Arthur just yeah, goes off and does his own thing and Morgana fuels five seasons worth of female rage Ooh, like the, yeah that's, that's the real reason she's so angry with Gwen when she finds out about Gwen and Arthur she's because like, well, why her like why her and yeah why like you didn't want a relationship Whoa. with me why did you want one with her and the worst thing is, is she's like well I knew that you were attracted to me so why not more why <laughs> it's like yeah just the pain not describable through words and like what really hurts about the whole thing is that like they have those moments when you can tell Arthur cares about her and then how painful must it have been when he- she comes back and he's all of a sudden like doting and kind and treating her like you know someone really beloved and it just must be like it's so painful i mean obviously none of this is backed up by canon but i feel like there's enough there to suggest that this wasn't like necessarily a 50 50 like split in terms of how they felt about each other i think morgana always wanted more and i think arthur was like someone who is pining and in love does not like behave the way arthur did like when sophia shows up and he's all like oh come on i know that you like me and she's like no you're intolerable and like when she leaves like the look on his face is just like that was fun like he doesn't really (laughs) care like whereas she's genuinely like scared for him and i'm just like this this to me just screams like a miscommunication of intention and it's just very very annoying (laughs) can can i mention that also she she literally, all her dreams she has are about him. Like, I feel like that's very romantic. Mm-hmm. Like, she always sees, for, like, foresees his own death. It's never any other character. Yeah. Like, yeah. in the first season. Well, she then dreams about Gwen, which is a bit gay. Um, just gonna throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just in, like, in Morgana's world, that's just another way in which Arthur dies. is because um, he gets married to the wrong person, yeah. in her opinion. It's just very very tragic the whole thing but yeah but so, that's, so that's my headcanon that Mor- Morgana fell first and Arthur never truly fell at all and it's just like wow yeah and then even more reason to hate Merlin because she's like wow you went for the male version of me <laughs> <laughs> you like, really, <laughs> really this is so offensive <laughs> to be honest though to be honest though um if like Arthur is just generally more attracted to men, then you can sort of forgive him because if he's just not into women, then what can you do? Like it's, I mean, obviously it's not a constellation at all, but like at least Morgana then knows that she is Arthur's type. She's just wrong gender. But yeah, so oh. that's kind of my like kind of main head canon is that yeah fell first but like in terms of tropes like for fic i mean i haven't really written fic in which they're like in a relationship where they're romantically involved t- together but i definitely 
for me, Arthur, like I always kind of give all of my ships on these shipping episodes like a trope. And, you know, with Mirtha, it was kind of like angsty and they're going to have problems, but they're going to make it through in the end. Gwen and Morgana were like um, the neighbors next door where one is like, a bitch to everyone but soft for one person and Gwen is always apologizing for her big mouth and stuff like that Lancelot and Gwen were like your neighbors and then Gwen and Merlin were like the kind of relationship where like one person has been through like a big amount of trauma and then they think they're never gonna love again and then like Gwen is the relationship that like proves that true love is still out there like that's that trope um and then Morgana was the relationship where they kind of just like are together and just deal with it but no one really knows like they're just kind of there like they work like they just work <laughs> and it works out and Arthur and Morgana I'm sorry kids but you are the plate smashing plate throwing screeching through the walls where everybody knows you're having an argument <laughs> like relationship uh which everybody knows your problems across the entire street and you make it everybody's problem that's them that's basically my trope for them and that's why Freyalin is the only good relationship <laughs> I absolutely agree. <laughs> okay, so what then are Merlin and Gwen? The trope for Merlin and Gwen, um, well, unfortunately, Merlin... Uh, see, I don't know if they would ever make it the long haul. So for me, Merlin and Gwen are the wonderfully wholesome college romance that then just kind of... it. Okay, so... All right, okay, hang on, wait. You know how you have friends to lovers? Well, mm -hmm. Merlin and Gwen are lovers to friends. Yeah, so they get together because why not? And it's nice and it works. And then they just realize that they're not as compatible. And then they just become like best of friends. Um, and that's basically kind of how I how I feel about, about them. Yeah, uh, lovers to friends. But it's just kind of like their tropes for me are just very much... I feel as though Merlin and Gwen getting together is more interesting than Merlin and Gwen being together because I've met couples like Merlin and Gwen and I just look at them and I feel sorry for them because they just look like they're really boring. Like they're just kind of like, yeah, we just, yeah, we like each other a lot and, you know, we're, you know, we're going to get married and we're going to do the kid thing. And I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> Like, that's kind of how I feel with them. And I actually, like I said, really, really love them for the kind of pining and the, like, sweet relationship vibe. But, yeah, they don't have any, like, punch. They don't have any passion there, which I think is what I'm missing. I was saying, wholesome <laughs> shit. Wholesome <laughs> shit, yes, yes. Wholesome shit. shit, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. They are just too wholesome. This is the thing. And, again, I feel like they just wouldn't be compatible, like, in a caffeinated kind of way. Like... Unfortunately, this is okay. Okay, I've got it, guys. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, Merlin and Gwen, like, they would be together for a while and they'd be really happy, but this is textbook what happens when you go, oh no, they were both bottoms. Like, what do you do? <laughs> like, what do you do? Like, there's not much. You get a double ended dildo, is what well, you do. I can't say that out loud. I was hoping that you'd read my mind, which you did. <laughs> but this is medieval. That's what I'm here for. But this is medieval times, and I don't think that they made candles that long back then. So, unfortunately, 
Exactly. Well, that's just a new business model then for someone to explore. <laughs> magic. <laughs> On, but like Merlin revealed his magic to Gwen because one day he was just like, I can't deal with this. I'm going to have to just make this candle longer. I'm sorry that you found out my secret. <laughs> that was it. But yeah, um, yeah, unfortunately, there is just no uh, coffee compatibility going on here. Not that I know how Gwen and Arthur became compatible, although I look at them and I see a tired married couple who haven't done it in three years, so I don't really know. But it's like, okay, no, when she became evil, it was obvious that it was like, you know, ooh. But then she was evil, so she was more toppy. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's a bit like, it's different. Um, But yeah, Merlin and Gwen, they're just kind of, wholesome wholesome and good i don't know if anyone else has any tropes headcanons for them that they have they're basically college sweethearts or high school sweethearts yeah i have one merlin mm-hmm. and gwen are the high school couples but at the end of high school they realized that merlin is gay. <laughs> yeah that makes sense they were high school sweethearts and then at the end of high school they realized merlin is gay yeah, basically. I'm happy to subscribe to that. Um, I mean, I do tend to veer in a more by Merlin direction myself, but I'm not like I'm not married to that headcanon. It depends on the fic. I've I've genuinely made a character in a fic gay once just so I could make a specific joke where normally I headcanon him as bi, but I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't really matter either way. <laughs> Um, that's the beauty of fandom we do what we want exactly yeah especially me I do what the fuck I like Um, but yeah so we've got that done so now we're going on to personal faves quotes episodes etc yes does anyone have any like I know Rox has some I'm sure Rox has some but uh, do our guests have favorite episodes quotes scenes or fan works for these pairings my favorite is the poison chalice for Mervin. It has its reason. Not yeah. not because of the kiss. Not because of the kiss. There are other reasons. What are the reasons? Uh, the scene where Morgana says that she knows what Merlin means to Gwen, and especially how frantic Gwen was while taking care of Merlin as he literally lay dying. Yeah. I mean, it's just so romantic and sweet. And so cute. Yes. And Mullen was dying. And why do I think that's cute? Because everybody <laughs> has like a near death experience kink. Like it like everybody does. It's just kind of if like, you know, if you're into angst, you have to. Like one of my uh best friends, like, she has a thing for executions. Like near like near executions. Like we watched Pocahontas the other day together and we were both just like, Oh my god, this is so good. He's gonna die and then saying <laughs> goodbye <laughs> and like give it to me. It's so good. Um so yeah, angst central, like, you know, I completely agree with you by the way. Poison Chalice, peak Merwen material, amongst others, including Armor. But like, oh my goodness, just yeah, like you said, her doting after Merlin, her like breaking the rules for Merlin, her kissing Merlin when he's awake. Ah, it's fine, it's all good. But yeah, poison chalice, one hundred percent. I love that take. Joel, how do you feel? Um, it's hard to pick a favorite episode, but I, 
one of my favorite episodes of all times, The Castle of Firion, if I'm saying that right. Yeah. I always don't know how to say that. No, that's correct. <laughs> um, um, I like the episode as a whole, and then I also like how Arthur still, he's protective of Morgana while Morgana's kind of like turning against him for the first time at this point. Um, but when he does care for her, like, like when he picks her up and like they run out of the of the tunnels, like I feel like she still has like a moment of hesitation where she's like, this could be just me reading into it because I ship them so much, but <laughs> I feel like she <laughs> um, is really questioning what she's doing because she sees that how much he still cares for her, even though um, he's with Gwen now. Oh, like. I like how he goes back after her, like, and says to Merlin, like, I can't leave without Morgana in that episode. Yes. It's, ah, uh, so much, so much angst. I don't know if I have a favourite episode for Armour. I do have a really soft spot in my heart for for, uh, for the beginning of the end, just because of, like, how he's so willing to, like, break the rules for her, and how she, like, goes to that place in him where, like, she knows he cares about her, so she says, don't do it for him, but do it for me. And like how they've got the bickering earlier in the episode and then later in the episode when he sees her face when she turns around he feels so betrayed and then later on he just like outright just helps her and I'm just oh yeah it's good it's good armor content you guys it's good um but yeah what about quotes I'm not even gonna ask you Alex because I know you don't have a favorite so <laughs> there's <laughs> you know me well no point um my favorite Armour quote um, is, yeah, probably uh, if you don't do it for the boy, then do it for me. Um, I just, I, I absolutely love that one. Does anybody have any favorite Armour quotes? My favorite's from episode two is five, I think, when um, Morgana has the dagger aimed at. Arthur and he says what happened to you Morgana as a child you were so kind so compassionate and she answered with I grew up wow <laughs> right in the fields right in the fields um yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> my favorite quote armor quote is god have mercy oh god have mercy. mercy on me yeah 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 that's a good one that's a good one yeah, so what about uh quotes for quotes for Merwin? I know that Brent kind of said that you liked the one about well, like when Morgana says I know what I know what he means to you, but I don't know if you've got one like specifically for for those two like that they say to each other or anything like that. I do. Ooh. I'm psychic. Yes. What am I thinking right now? That I'm not psyched. Yes, I love that. <laughs> oh, you're strange. <laughs> oh, cute. Yeah. Too much. This is too much. Yeah. Um, mm. I love that one too. Um, which leads me nicely into favorite scenes between the two of them. Um, because oh no, I didn't do quote, did I? I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I kind of already said before <gasps> that like my favorite was um, you know, I like much more ordinary men like you Gwen believe me I'm not ordinary no no no. I didn't mean you I mean, obviously not you I just meant more ordinary men like you like you yeah so yeah, yeah that's yeah that's the one I like for them it's just uh 
yeah instant instant favorite ship right there um but yeah in terms of scenes like obviously apart from you know the kiss like i don't even want to mention the kiss because i just feel like it's you know a bit normy. i love the scene that brent just got that um quote from which is after her father's been saved and he goes to check on her and she's really happy and like she's kind of trying to figure out why he knows and stuff and yeah they just kind of have that moment where you know she's like oh you're just funny i like that and you know she's like thank you and she says you know thank you for asking and he goes why and she's like oh, i don't know he goes oh i i didn't i didn't like to see you upset and there's this moment where she just like stares at him like longingly and then he goes out the door and she kind of carries on staring and then like smiles and walks off and i'm like <sighs> it's like really offensive <laughs> <laughs> just, i'm not happy about it but yeah that's probably my favorite scene with merlin and gwen uh, i don't know if you guys have a favorite scene with merlin and gwen I like their their first scene when Merlin is in the stocks, and yeah. Gwen thinks that that's a good a good moment to introduce herself to him Aww. while he's being pelted with rotten produce. I feel like that's that's a peak Gwen moment that just shows who Gwen is as a person. She's just like, oh, he's he's trapped in the stocks. Better go introduce myself right now. He just wants to like make sure he knows he's valued. Yeah, but she could have done that after he was let out of the stocks. Yeah, but maybe she felt like he needed cheering up right there and then for obvious reasons. (laughs) (sighs) But yeah. Anyone else have a favorite Merwin scene? You you mentioned a lot of my favorites, or the ones you've said. (laughs) Yeah, they are are really, really good. Um, Okay, yeah. So, so what's your favorite Mervyn scene? It's not actually Mervyn, but it is about Mervyn. Okay. It's a Morgana scene. It's not uh, the Mark of Way. Let me help you out, because I think I know what scene you're referring to. Is it the one with Merlin and Morgana where she thinks that he's got a crush on Gwen? Yes. Yeah, I thought but so. But okay. she, she does this um, double tap lip eyebrow raise thing. Hot? Who allowed her? <laughs> oh, I know this is supposed to be Merwin, but it's now please. turned into it's now turned into a Merlin Morgana moment. <laughs> she, she just I am never forgetting that smug. That's smart. <laughs> Please, guests, do favorite armor scenes. <laughs> I'm sure Joelle has a lot. I'll try to take just one, though. <laughs> um, it's in the Excalibur episode. It's a really short scene when Morgana goes to see Arthur and beg him not to fight the, ba- the Black Knight. Mm-hmm. And he says, he just kind of has that knowing smile, uh, knowing look on his face, and he smirks and says, Oh, you're worried about me. And she, t- she's kind of humble in this moment, just kind of admits that. But she's like, I don't know what it is, but like she has a feeling, again. Um, and he, and he just says, Oh, I have to do this. So, and she doesn't really fight him on this because she, she, I think she's one of the few people who really gets what this expected of him as the, as the crown prince, and like he has a duty to his people, and he has to make, he has to be a good role model, and he has to take on this challenge. Yeah. 
and like she lets him go to that fate in a way even though she still cares about him and maybe it's because she cares about him that she allows him to do that yeah i agree that's a good scene and also i think that's uh what she's feeling in that moment that she wishes he didn't have to go but she understands that he has to go and she'd like she'd probably support him either way like even like if he said he's not gonna do it that he's gonna um forfeit she would support him in that as well but since she understands that he can't forfeit she will support him in that decision as well even though it hurts her emotionally to watch him go to his death yes um my favorite armor scene i mean it's really difficult to choose one i really don't like i have so many that i like equally um but i do have a like a very special place in my heart for uh the one where it's like my lady my champion because that kind of became like a like you know like a thing for the ship and them having a nice moment before it gets ruined by you know arthur being like oh i wasn't rescued by a girl and it's just very bickery and very much with their relationship but i equally love the one in the mark of nimue where like morgana's like oh you know um i can't ever imagine a man loving me so much and arthur's like yeah no i i can't imagine that either (laughs) and then it ends with her basically like oh you know merlin merlin does so much for so many people you know that's basically what heroes are or something like that and then arthur just basically turns to goes what do you want me to do (laughs) it's just like (laughs) it's just their relationship in a nutshell i absolutely love it like he is very whipped regardless of whether he feels romantic feelings for her he is very very whipped um so yeah i like that a lot from Morgana running out of the castle, crying, begging mm-hmm. Arthur to stop. It's just so emotional to watch. Yeah, that's true. And I'm a sucker for tears. No. Especially when they come from the villain. So, like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good scene. Like, just running out in her nightdress, like, no, don't go, don't go. Ah, angst. Okay. So, favorite fan work for those of us who have any to share, which I feel is probably going to be just Joelle. Uh, my favorite fic is by um, a writer named Depp on AO3, and she has a, a few good uh, Arthur Morgana stories, but my favorite of those is a modern AU called Where's My Love? And it's where Arthur and Morgana are married, but they're having troubles with their marriage. And again, this is where like Arthur cheats on Morgana. <laughs> uh, it's still in progress. We don't know how it all turns out yet. Um, but like, what I love about it is that they have, uh, they have children together, Mordred, and they name it Grain after Arthur's mother. And it's just really sweet to see them in this like kind of, domestic uh, relationship because I haven't read that many that were actually in modern settings. Um, and uh, <laughs> and then um, I have I have a lot of favorite uh, fan videos. Of, I, I, re- I watch more videos than uh, read fanfic. Um, and uh, there's a YouTuber 
seven and who just posted a couple months ago like the ultimate like kind of uh video that just summarizes arthur morgan's relationship to taylor swift's song my tears ricochet and that's a really great one um yeah that's such a fucking good song for them it's basically a song about like feeling like you were wronged by someone who's then basically going around acting like they're in the right and it's yeah it's really really good um but yeah uh i need to go watch it actually i haven't seen many merlin vids with like any of the tracks on folklore which i need to i need to remedy because yeah i just like haven't seen any but yeah i will i will i assume you've got the link and then you'll give it to alex so yeah i can i can go look at it um I'm going to be giving like recs to vids, but I'm not actually going to be describing them. I'm just going to like give Alex the links and you can go and look at them on the website because whenever I try to describe vids, I just find it pointless because like you might as well just go watch them. <laughs> like what can I really do to describe what it is? Just go and click the link. So yeah, that's what I'm doing this time. But yeah, um, I can't wait to watch that one. Okay. So I'm guessing none of us have anything fave for Merwin. No favourite fan work. There's not a lot of fan art for them. Like I have some fan arts on my Tumblr, but nothing that I would really feel comfortable saying this is my ultimate favourite because just they're all just really cute, but nothing really stands out. I mean they, I mean it's a minor ship, you know, it's like even more minor than Armor. Like what do you expect? Alright, then I'm gonna quickly go through some AO3 AO3 stats. And the thing is um obviously this these pairings were i'm assuming more popular while the show was airing especially when season one and two were airing and like in the hiatus between season two and three and that's a time like 2008 2009 when a lot of fandom was still on life journal so i'm guessing that a lot of the fan works for these ships didn't make it over to ao3 but ao3 is as you all know, the way how, like, like it's the easiest platform for me to compile any sort of statistics, but this is my disclaimer. These statistics are skewed towards fans who actually put their works on AO3 either after they posted them to LiveJournal or who have since then started writing for these pairings. Also, again, I did this, uh, I said this for almost all the uh, ships that we did in the past. I checked the summaries and did my best to exclude fakes where it looks like Amor or Merwin are only background characters or past ships. So I'm trying, I tried to find fakes where it was clear from the tags and the summary that these ships were endgame or the main focus of the story. But if I missed a fake um, or if a fake is listed in our podcast that is not actually Endgame Armor or Merwin. I apologize. I'm only human. I make mistakes. <clears throat> All right. So the top three fakes for Armor by Kudos, and I'm assuming Joelle is probably going to know these stories, are The Triple Crown by Malu3, which was published um, in February 2015, so almost six years ago. It has 20,500 words and has 400 kudos, which I think is probably quite a bit for such a small, relatively small pairing. Um, then there's We Are Alone Here by Marguerite26, 
which was published in February 2014 and has uh, roughly 8,000 words and has only 370 kudos. Which And this is why I mentioned when they were published, because this story was published a year before the other one is shorter, so more people are likely to read it because more people are likely to read the shorter stories, and yet it has fewer comments. And a third place is Fly Away Little Bird by Giselle Slash, who published the story in January 2014. It has only a little bit over 2,000 words and 276 kudos. And also, something I noticed is that these three authors are all rel- or used to be relatively popular in the fandom. Like Malu 3, I think, is the one who wrote um, There Are No Gays in Football, which is a very popular Martha fanfic, which Rock still hasn't read and I will never read. <laughs> uh, Marguerite 26. Uh, the titles are escaping me, but it's also a very popular Martha yeah, writer. Yeah, that name is definitely at the forefront of my consciousness. So yeah, that is like a very yeah. Popular. And Giselle Slash is also relatively well known in the Martha fandom part. So I find it very interesting that these three. I mean, not very interesting because it kind of makes sense that people who followed these authors for their Martha stories would then have read something else that they wrote just because they wrote it regardless of what pairing they put in it uh for morrowen we have in first place the once and future king by la belle et la Lou, which was published in may 2015 it has over fifty-seven thousand words and 675 kudos which is a lot like it has even more kudos than the most popular by kudos armor fake and yet i forgot to say this uh merwin works there are only 242 works on eo3 tagged with the pairing gwen slash merlin and 282 works slash with morgana slash author so morgana and author is objectively going by how many works were posted to eo3 more popular than merwin and yet this merwin fake uh has more kudos this more popular kudos for Merwin has more kudos, over 200 more kudos than the most popular armor fig, which I love statistics. This is just why? <laughs> like, why? Yeah, continue with that. In second place for Merwin is a fig called A Council of Queens by Lady Ragnell, which again is a popular name, especially in the Merthyr part of the fandom. This was published in September 2013 and has amassed 153 kudos for a work that is over 3,000 words long. And the third one is uh, titled And She'll Drink From That Chalice of Ginger Ale, Be It Bitter or Sweet. Which I want to know where that quote is from, if that's from somewhere, or if that's an original. Uh, the author is called Odin Stark. The fic is almost 2,000 words long. It was published in July 2019. So it's very relatively recent, like only a little bit over a year old, and has 128 kudos. So that's the top three uh, by kudos. By comments, it looks a little bit different. So the fic with the most comments has 185 comments. It's called Dancing Lights and Singing Shadows by Lazy Writer 1977. 
and it's still it's still going. It was last updated uh, on the 9th of December in 2020. And today, as we're recording this, is the 13th of December 2020. And I uh, compiled these stats two days ago. So this is, um, the story is still going. It has nearly 160,000 words and only 185 comments, which I find is sad for this amount of word count. Then there is Solitary Love by Cassius, the Corrupter of Souls. I love these usernames, honestly. Cassius, the Corrupter of Souls. Thanks. That's actually my pick. Oh, look at that! <laughs> yeah, you're in second yeah. place for uh, kudos. It uh, comments. It has currently 123 comments, a little over 52,000 words. You started publishing in April 2016 and last updated in September. It's still ongoing. And behind you is a fic called Shattered Armor, which, haha, <laughs> pun in the title, uh, by uh, an author called So Here We Are. They started publishing this in January this year and last updated it in July this year. It's also still ongoing. All of these WIPs, look at them. It has a little over 12,000 words and 87 comments at the moment. Uh, so I think that's that's pretty pretty solid for a rare pair. Mervyn has in first place. This will be our year. Took a long time to come. Bipolar Monkey, again, a popular fandom uh, author, published this in January 2017. It has uh, one and a half thousand words and 35 comments. 35. Wow. When you compare this to Armor, the most popular had 185 comments. And then a repeat of The Once and Future King, which I mentioned earlier with the Kudos, which has 31 comments, and A Council of Queens, which has 23 comments. The oldest on the archive is called Daughter of the Ever-Changing Sea by Mirror Mask. It was published on the 21st of December 2009. So that's coming up on an anniversary. It has almost 4,000 words, 14 comments, and 48 kudos. And the oldest Muravan fic is called So Close to Me by Glim. It was published in March 2010. Has yeah, exactly 500 words, one comment, and 38 kudos. Yeah, that's where you kind of go at AO3, like, ah, uh, grain of salt. 2010, first Muravan fic? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is definitely not true. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not true. It's the first Muravan fig on the archive. On the archive, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are stories that are older, but they they don't list Merlin and Gwen as the primary pairing, yeah. so I ignored those, but nothing before January 2010, yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, that's definitely the downfall of AO3 stats, but like, tracking this through LifeJournal is just impossible, because how? Yeah. How, would I, how would I do it? I mean, you could do FFNet, but even that... I mean, actually, I would argue that Merlin was probably just as active on FFNet as it was on LJ, but that's just, yeah, it's just work. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm honestly not so sure about that, because... Hmm. So the newest armor fic on the archive is a story called Harder Than Steel and Thrice as Cruel by... Oh, hey there, Big Bad Wolf! Nearly 2,000 words was published on the 21st of November this year. Has currently two comments and 22 kudos. And the youngest Merwin fic is, let me just quickly scroll through here. I, what I noticed is that a lot of the Merwin fics are actually author Gwen 
Merlin fix. Like a lot of these are OT3 fix and not exclusively Gwen Merlin. But the youngest, as far as I can tell, is a story called Be There by a Disaster Movie, published on the 7th of November, almost two and a half thousand words, 11 comments, and 76 kudos. Good for you, Merwin fandom. Showing some love. I think I'm just gonna go, yeah. The longest story for Armor is Dancing Lights and Singing Shadows. I mentioned it earlier, nearly 160,000 words. Merwin is a story called Pride of the Fallen by Alyeska Writes, which has nearly 94,000 words and is still a WIP, so it has a chance of getting longer. And the shortest one for Armor is a story called I Can See the Rainbow in Your Eyes, Love by Pokebuns underscore ZZ, or ZZ, as we would say in Europe. It was published in August 2019, has only 82 words. And the shortest Merwin fix ha fic has only 266 words. It's called Drowning by Yolo Jackie. We have reached recommendations, of which I know Joelle has plenty. Brent, do you have any recommendations? Many, 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 many of them. Okay. But I'll give only two or three, the best ones. You can send the rest to Alex and we'll just like link them yeah. in the yeah. Yeah, you'll just you just email me all of your all of your recs and I'll put them in our post and the ones you want to mention now, mention them now. Um identified one of the authors who oh, hey, hated big bad world. Because I'm reading one of their fakes right now. It for want of a nail. For want of a nail by Oh hey there, big bad wolf. It's um, it's it's a story where um, Merlin uh, becomes Leon's um, fake brother when they were It's called complementarity, entanglement, and the uncertainty of destiny. It's by Generals. And Prokof painting. Yeah. It's a long one, but I love it. It gives us the ant that the builder should have given us. That's why I love it so much. I'll link link everything, but I love it. I wrote this alone in my bedroom. It's that good. And everything else you want to wreck, you'll you'll just send me, and you can add commentary, and I will put it in our post. Joel, I know you have a long list. Share it. Yeah. <laughs> um, for fic, I recommend the author's Death Lazy Writer, nineteen seventy seven, and and so here we are. Um, and then, uh, for fan videos there's a few youtubers um uh def changed her name so it's def and then um and then a n d r for her username she has a lot of great videos that she's made over the last few years my favorite one of those is an two-parter that she does to the one of it's to the song carnival of rustin and it's a follow-up to that song where um it's 
Arthur and Morgana are in a relationship, but then Arthur has to send Morgana away because he has to marry Mythian. Then then they do find a way back to each other. I enjoy that one. Um, by Sevenin, I really like the Tears Ricochet one. And then there's a, a kind of a classic Armour story with the Hate Everything About You song. Uh, where it's they're in a relationship and then they find out their siblings and then Uther imprisons them and that's where it kind of leaves you hanging. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, Sunnydale Rehab does a lot of great videos. Um, my favorite one of hers is like is this short one called "I Got Poison on My Mind," which is just Arthur and Morgana are in a relationship and then it fast forwards to a a modern setting where like. They get together, they break up, and, like, Morgana kind of disposes of Arthur, like, kills him in, like, different variations of the um, different modern AUs, and it's, like, kind of, it's, like, classic to the show of what happens to the relationship, in a way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then um, there's another YouTuber named Angelica083 who makes some pretty good videos. She did one recently uh, called to World on Fire, which is... Um, um, it's kind of like the show, but I think even more dramatic <laughs> and with the scenes that she picks, um, and then, like, also taking from other shows, too, to showcase it, where Morgana is power-hungry and tries to overtake the throne, um, from Arthur. Uh, the fic writer, Lazy Writer, also has a blog on Tumblr, and he does a lot of amazing fan art for Arthur and Morgana. His youth, uh, his Tumblr account is... The one who nothing knows. Um, and he, he's been posting a lot, like, the last year, a lot of uh, fan art that he's done. Okay, is this all you want to say now and you'll just send me the rest? Yeah, there's one mo more YouTuber I forgot about that I sent you the, the list. Yeah, that uh, That's one I discovered recently. Um, their account is no squared and they did a really nice one uh for this christmas video um just recently posted where merlin and gwen in a modern au setting um get arthur and Morgana to get back together for christmas that's Aww. really sweet <laughs> okay if that is everything rox is gonna just send me uh, links as well for video rex will do yes Awesome. Then I think that is all for for that. Please, dearest guests, let us know where you can be found on social media if you want to be found on social media. If you don't, then you really made a mistake coming on to this podcast, I guess. <laughs> uh but yeah, Brent, let's let's give it another try. If you want to be found on social media, where do we find you? I go by Mother's sobbing hours open on Tumblr. <laughs> it's uh, just that, all small, no spaces. Okay. And nothing else. Yes. You can just me or where you want. <laughs> all right. Anywhere else? Twitter, Instagram, I don't know, Facebook. I would share, but none of my social media. Yeah. I'm Merlin. Okay. Related. I, but I am on AO3 um, under the name STFU Marky uh, because I am a K-pop fan as well. 
so oh. I mostly write paper bricks. <laughs> but it's Merlin as well. I do have Merlin there, so give me the clout I deserve. Thank you. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Joel, where we, do we find you if we want to find you? Uh, on Tumblr, my main account is Cassius the Corrupter of Souls, and I have a armor blog that is Twisted Shipper. And then my AO3 is Cassius the Corrupter of Souls, and then my YouTube is Twisted Shipper. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that makes it easy to find. I guess I created the, yeah, I created my AO3 when I created my main earlier before. Yeah, that um, makes so that makes sense. I'm I'm the same username almost everywhere with like one variation depending on whether my name was already taken or not. So that that makes sense. Uh, speaking of which, I'm Zan Credible on AO3 where I post fanfic, although admittedly not Amor or Merwin. And Zen underscore reads also an AO3 where I post podfic. Again, nothing of it is Amor or Merlin, but in all fairness, nothing of it is Merlin anymore either. So it's not that I'm, you know, doing any favorites or anything. I'm just not posting Merlin stuff anymore. And you can also find me on Tumblr as that's what Momotastic likes for occasional recs. And you can also request recs, but only for stuff I actually read or listen to. So again, Sorry, Armor of Merwin shippers. I'm I'm not reading your ships, but it sounds like you can go to Twisted Shipper on Tumblr for Armor Regs, <laughs> and also our website where I will be posting all of the Armor Regs. Indeed, rocks. I am Miss Snowfox everywhere. <laughs> I am Miss Snowfox pretty much everywhere. Uh, Twitter, YouTube, Ao3, and yeah, not much Mirtha happening right now or Merlin in general um, but there are many past things so you know those are still there enjoy if you like our theme music was composed by Sidesteppings exclusively for Melissa all the other music or sound effects you heard in this episode come from freesound.org the man up on our cover art was made by Brolin's Keep and the cover was made by me next time we are finally Finally, giving you the second part of our fan art episode for which uh, some guests will be back. And in case you celebrate it in any way, happy Christmas in a few days. If you don't celebrate it in any way, good for you. I hope you will have a mostly peaceful time this time of year. Uh, stay safe, everybody, because the pandemic is not over. Uh, so please practice social distancing, wear your masks, uh, wash your hands, wear gloves if you can, and just stay safe for your own sake, but also the sake of everybody else in your vicinity. We had guests and they were amazing. There was Brent. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and Joelle. Hi. <laughs> and I have been Zincredible. And I have been Miss Snowfox. And we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye. 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 Bye.
And I'm guessing everyone is agreeing because no one's saying anything. Oh, sorry. I just realized I was muted. <laughs> um, yeah. I, <laughs> um, A rare occurrence indeed. 